This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Bez, what do you love? Well, John, it's a new sponsor and I'm loving it. For me, double quarter pound a meal. What are you having? Oh, it's got, got to be the chicken nugget share box. To myself, there's no sharing, but well, to myself. That goes without saying. But what yeah. dip? Oh, barbecue. It's a barbecue dip. Yeah. But where can people get it? So, yeah, where can you get it? You can order via the McDonald's app. Um, it's via participating restaurants only. 18 plus. Rewards. Registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. So see mcdonalds.com for full details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. There's a team that we all love, playing out of person town. They've had a few promotions, but always end up going down. Play up, play up, for fail. Play up, play up, for fail. Good evening and welcome to the Ale and Vale podcast. It is the last season. Is it 22-23? Jesus, this is a bad start. Yes. Um, season review. Um, joined by Bez as normal. Save me, mate. Come on. Uh, some things have passed saving, mate, and some things you just can't help. And I think this I need, is one of them. I need a dad joke or something quick. Come on. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot there, aren't you? Bloody hell. Well, I've that's for a while. That's why I'm doing it, trying to save my face now. Yeah, no, I'm more of a reactionist dad joke that someone happens and I've crack a dad joke in. I can't, you know, I'm not a performing monkey. I can't just perform on the spot. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, we're joined by Mike Bagley as well. So, Mike, how are you doing? Good evening. Good evening, Johnny. Good evening, Baz. Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. Thanks for very much for asking me on. Have you got any dad jokes, Mike? Um, how do you get an elephant to talk? Oh. Talk the place or talk us and talk. Well, the, the, you, you've nearly got the punchline as put him on the bus to Kids Grove. Ah, uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I was on the wavelength <laughs> with you. <laughs> you are. I think more importantly, Mike, um, how how was the um, the first Wolves game? It was, yeah, it was, um, yeah, impressive, thanks. Yeah, I tried not to get uh, sort of overwhelmed. There was 70,000 people there so obviously you know a little bit different but having said that the uh the wi-fi slowed down at full time when it's signed the player rating so i thought well nothing much has changed really from uh wherever <laughs> from wherever we are uh, it I must it, have been a come down to be fair from Vale Park to Old well Bradford. it's obviously it's obviously not what i'm used to i found it easier in the respect that um there's little screens right on every press bench that show you the replays of all the games so doing the player ratings is a hell of a lot easier when you can see Exactly what's done. What I don't have to like tap Phil Bowers on the shoulder and say, "What, 
what happened there? I was, I was trying to write the live blog and got no idea who did what there, you know, so uh, it's, it's a lot easier, a lot less guesswork. Yeah. Putting you on the spot on um, players' ratings, Yeah. yours are always a lot fairer than Johnny's. What do you make of Johnny's players' ratings? It's a game, it's a game of opinion, isn't it? That's what I always think. <laughs> <laughs> when I listen well, to the player ratings. Well recovered. <laughs> But no, um, you're, you're definitely going to be a miss in and around the Vale games, Mike. And I think it's quite fitting to end, end it with the season, the season re- review with us. So thank you for joining. No, as I said, th- thanks for asking me on. I mean, um, I think the, the deal in the Vale has been one of the, you know, the real um, positives in, in the last two or three years since you fellas have been doing it. So just fellas, Kirsty as well, of course. And it's been, it's been great. I've been an avid listener and I'll... I'll be the I'll, that'll carry on. You know, absolutely love listening to it. You do, you've done brilliant work supporting mental health and also the John uh, the John Rudd statue project. So you know, keep up the great work, and I'm I'm really pleased you've you've asked me to come on. So thanks very much. No, thank you very much. So in summary, what you're saying there is it's been great since Stu's left us. Is that what you're saying, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> I always saw Stu as like the voice of reason. You know, where you took, you you took go off a more wild day. Well, flights are fancy, and then Stu would bring you back down to earth a bit. Yeah, he was, to be fair. <laughs> well, I think originally he expected me to be the voice of reason, didn't he, Johnny? Yeah, that's it. He, he, he expected me to be the irrational one. Mm-hmm. You'd be the you'd be the nice, calm one, and and Stu, like he, he picked up the the middle bit. But I think it was the after the King's Lynn bit, wasn't it, when everyone realised that you were irrational and I was calm. So yeah. and trammed me away, I think, with Dickhead Dave. Oh, yeah, Dickhead Dave really did you in, didn't he? Yeah, he wound and me up, he did. The late and Orient geezer with his happy birthdays wound you up as well, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. I think what, he wound me up, I remember the late... Scene. Yeah, of course he is. I think he wound me up more the late and Orient, because every time they were taking a throne and taking, like, two minutes to take it, it was fine, but every time we were doing it, it was, like, dark out, dark arts and shit housing, and it was horrendous that the ref was letting us get away with it, but it was fine when they did it. Yeah, and that's when he started the happy birthdays, wasn't it, during when we were taking throws and stuff, and it just felt like it was like, oh, here we go. Yeah, and this is where Phil Bowers is really good, because, yes, he's a Vale fan, and you do get a slight bias towards Vale, but it's only slight. And a Way fan can listen to Phil and appreciate the game, whereas you listen to some of these commentaries on Arthur or you did during lockdown, and they were horrendous, weren't they? Yeah, I'd say 99% of the time as well, Phil gets the players right. Yes, and- I think that's that's not that that's something to be appreciated because seeing some of the away commentaries and they haven't just got players mixed up they've got them completely wrong and it's surely part of your job is to get them right it, on a corner on a melee and stuff like that where it might have come off someone I that's fine but when when someone's passing the ball in midfield and they're calling Nathan Smith Tom Conlon it's like come on. Yeah, well, you're right. It just shows the, the research and the work Phil puts in in the week to be, you know, to be that uh, that good on a Saturday. I know wherever we are in a press box, certainly in a way match, I always make a point of trying to sit within a earshot of Phil. So I've got an idea <laughs> if I've missed it, you know, and Phil, have, Phil will have picked it up. So I've got an idea of what's happened. <laughs> I'd imagine, Mike, in the Premier League, it's going to be a lot easier to recognise the opposition's players. Maybe not pronounce well, the names, but at least recognise them. I'm, I'm, I would hope, like I said, life will be a, a, a bit easier in that respect, yeah. And certainly, as I said, because you've got the replays, that makes the player ratings. You can pick up on mistakes and uh, you, you don't have to write things like, you know, 
Gomez scramble, very various phrases you do to sort of cover things. That'd be a bit more a bit more precise. Yes. On a serious note, would you normally add a bit of a break at the end of the Vale season and now you've been obviously yeah. the Premier League season carries on? Yeah, I would. Um, I'm, I'm I'm always always trying to get the last week of uh, May off because that's half term, so we're uh, taking off with with the kids. But it's helped me that Wolves have still got um, three games left, or two, sorry, two now. So that that helped me in the fact I could go to matches, learn a bit more about the club, and go to press conferences before I get started. I think it would have been hard trying to start um, in May when everybody's on holiday. Basically, that's that'd be a lot more difficult. So, so in that respect, you know, it's worked out quite well. And it's got a natural break as well with Vale season finishing, and then me, fin- you know, me finishing at the end of uh, Vale season. Yeah, yeah. No, and and Vale's um, season's finished, but the news hasn't stopped coming. So, first bit of news out to the club this week was the update on how the pitch is going. Um, so, I don't know if you've seen it. All the grass is gone. So and now they started digging out for the piping. Um, I think like when you look at the price of of a complete new pitch being was it Carol said about one million and I think Exeter mm-hmm. quoted similar as well when they had theirs done. This is obviously yeah. the initial work. Um, it's work that's not going to go to waste when the rest of it gets finished. But it's a good start, isn't it? And you've got to hope now that the pitch is is in a good place when when we come to come, come see it with some grass on. So um, it's nice. Yeah. We've got some professionals in. They've done some big clubs. Um, and the car park looks like a, looks like Blackpool Pleasure Beach. <laughs> yeah, is it somewhere, it's over 100,000, isn't it? The club is spending, I believe, on the pitch. You know, so it's quite a, quite a big commitment. But as you said, Johnny, it's not going to go to waste because when they do eventually get the whole thing done, all this, all this uh, the work, I think some drainage, isn't it, they're putting in as well. That'll all be, you know, part of the the eventual sort of massive overhaul whenever whenever that happens. Yeah, yeah. I think they said, didn't they? There was forty drain pipes and thirty three mm. didn't work properly or didn't work at all, and they got replaced. So, and as you say, the big thing is we can use that going mm. forward. And let's be honest, the pitch this year has been I've been getting the veil since nineties, and I can't remember it that bad. I don't know if you can remember it that bad, Mark, as it's been. Um, I can remember. Actually, the first season I started covering Vale when when we got to the LDV Vans final, the pitch was was shocking for most of the winter, wasn't it? I think we ended up having yeah. to get move the Stoke game to um, to Stoke, didn't we? Because it, yes. it kept being called off. Uh, so that's probably the worst I remember. Um, I just I just wonder with Vale's pitch whether it's just the fact that other clubs have moved into new stadiums, you know, or had new pitches, so relatively it looks, it looks worse. Whereas yeah. probably, I mean, you know better than me, you know, going back to, say, the 90s, was the pitch worse than it is now? It's just compared to modern standards, it's, you know, it, look, it looks bad now. Yeah, probably. I mean, you look back at the highlights of that Stoke FA Cup game in 92-93 mm-hmm. season, yeah. was it? And I know we'd had a lot of rain that day, but that was just a blood uh, a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a bloodbath. <laughs> um, just a mud pitch, wasn't it? Yeah. Mud everywhere. Puddles everywhere. And you wouldn't have played nowadays. But back in them days, you played on whatever pitch you turned yeah. up on, didn't you? Yeah. So, yeah, I do think there is some of the modern standards have progressed a lot. I mean, I've got the Man City game on tally here in front of me. The pitch is immaculate. It's like a carpet, which you'd expect it to be for a club mm-hmm. like that. But sometimes I miss the old pitches. Yeah, but even Premier League clubs weren't immaculate back then. They were. No, they were In Premier League years, and even 15, 20 years ago, places like Anfield and stuff were 
like were brown yeah. in the penalty areas, not green. Whereas yeah. now you're coming to the end of the season and I'm, I've got Middlesbrough Coventry on because I refuse to pay for BT Sport. I've and, got both on, to be fair. Yeah, well, th- this, pitch, this pitch here looks like it's in better condition than Vales on the opening day. And this is yeah, 25 to 26 yeah. games in. So you can see what the new stadium, because it, it whilst it's not a new stadium now, but it was, and serious investment on the pitch does. So hopefully the the drainage is just is, is the start but if you get the drainage right you'd, you'd expect the pitch quality to be better um especially with stoke being very clay based if we can dig a lot of that out and put some actual proper soil and and make and put the turf on top that would be helpful yeah definitely definitely big move and hopefully flickers did say didn't he that one of the fans forums that they'd had a couple of players turn him down based on the pitch mm-hmm. so hopefully that's not an issue going forward no, and that's it. if if anyone comes looking at the pitch now, then then you know they can <laughs> if they're turning us down. It's um, that, that that's one of them, isn't it? Yeah. Like, do you know some, uh, somebody at the club said to me that it's not it wasn't just particularly new signings, but when Vale have tried to sign uh, players who've come from under 23s football, so say young lads on loan, they've said it's almost like a different game for a different sport, completely playing on Vale's pitch to what they used to. Obviously, on the cat, you know, academy. Uh, you know, bowling greens, basically. So it's hard enough to adjust to sort of hurly-burly League One, uh, you know, without accommodating the, the pitch as well. So obviously, maybe that's something that'll that'll help the Vale as well. Yeah, yeah. And if anyone's turning us down because of the size of the pitch, then they aren't the right play for us. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I mean, the pitch isn't as big as it, as it once was, is it? I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's come in quite a bit, but uh, it's something that's always said, isn't it, about the club, about, about you know, how big the pitch is. I'd like to see it go back to previous mm. sizes, I would personally. I think if we're playing on that weekend, week out, yeah. that could be an advantage for us. Yeah. You've got to get the right sort of player on it, though. And it's everything, yeah. what everything Crosby said in his interview uh, with Radio Stoke, and even in today's interview, which we'll touch on in a sec, I'd like to see it get bigger because of that, because he, he seems to be asking for the right sort of player. But You've got you've got to make sure you get the right sort of player. If if we are extending it, there's there's got to be what proper wide men in there, and there's got to be midfielders that are capable of getting up and down across. Because we spoke we spoke to Chris Lyons, didn't we? And he said it was a horrible pitch for him to play on because that that's not his his game. But Tony Grant, he said he, he said made it made it feel tiny because he'd cover all his ground and then let the footballers play football. And I think that's it. When the pitch is bigger, your footballers can play football because you do get a bit of extra time on the ball because you're not all sat on top of each other, are you? And I do think it suits better footballers as well as your athletic men that are going to get forward and back. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Andy Crosby's interview there. I thought it was really interesting what he said when he got the job and he was talking about, um, you know, what sort of team do you want? And I didn't expect him to go in quite as much detail as he did, but he, he was very definite in his plan, wasn't he, where he wanted a, a team. Uh, a sort of bigger, more athletic, more physical team uh, and players. He, he said players who were available for training more as well, didn't he? So I think that's probably why he won't take a risk on maybe players with an injury record and he wants more more consistent players. Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot again, Ian, Mike. You'll mm-hmm. wish it didn't come on in a minute. Um, <laughs> obviously, you've spent a lot more time with Andy Crosby than any of us. Okay, you've yeah. been the press. What do you make of the appointment and what do you make of Andy Crosby moving into that managerial role from what you know of him in the press conferences? Uh, from what I know of him, I was I was 
pleased personally he got the job because I like him. He comes across as a as a decent fella as well as a uh, an intelligent intelligent bloke as well. So I suppose it's easy to say when the assistant gets the job or it's a cheap appointment. But I don't think in that case, in this case, that's that's really fair. Um, he's obviously got a terrific record as an assistant at uh, Scunthorpe at Southampton and, and Vale as well. So I'm not saying he would have got the job had he not been Vale's assistant already. But, you know, had he applied for another job somewhere with his CV, he would have been taken seriously, I think, albeit it would have been his first role in management. So he's, he's always impressed me. Um, and so I was pleased he got the job and I could see why Vale, uh, Vale gave it to him as well. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a leap in the dark because he did a good job as interim manager last year. So they knew what they were getting in that respect. I suppose the change will be, it's, it's just a different role, isn't it, in assistant. Assistant manager is more, you don't have to be as ruthless as the manager, make the big calls and you're almost a, almost a friend of the players, aren't you? Then pick them back up maybe when the manager has, has left them out or whatever. So now it's Andy who's got to make those big calls. Um, so that, that'll be that'll be different. But I would say if, if I had to pick an assistant manager who, who could go on and be a success, I would say, yeah, Andy Crosby can do it. Yeah, no, that's good insight, especially with you obviously being in the press conferences. And obviously, Johnny, I missed that podcast because I was down Johnny's bar when you did the Crosby announcements. The one thing that I said to you off air was the, the promotion season. All the players spoke about, Smithy spoke about on the opening day of pre-season. They were got in a circle and they had to talk about strengths, weaknesses, strengths of other players, what they liked about other players, personal life. And that kind of spurred them on and opened them up to each other. Everything you hear, Andy Crosby sorted that out, not Daryl Clark. He was the one that did that. And the night before the playoffs, the videos, that was Andy Crosby. So I know? think from what I hear, he's a good man manager. Yeah, I, I was just going to say the videos as well. I think that was Andy Crosby who organised that, where it's the players' families, wasn't it, who sent video yeah. messages and all the players watched it together, you know, which was a, a great, uh, obviously a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, and I think man management-wise, everything I hear, the, I think players will run through a brick wall for him. And I know some people aren't overly happy with the appointment. It's growing on me the more and more I think about it. And it doesn't mean he'll be a success, but to me, he's less of a risk than getting a young coach in that hasn't managed. He's had 17 years in the dugout. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's um, Connor Hall and Tom Pope have both said what a good coach he is as well, haven't they? Which I thought was, you know, yeah. really interesting. They don't have to say that. They're not at the club anymore. You know, there's no uh, nothing to gain for them. So I thought that was, you know, really interesting that he, he got their uh, endorsement. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward to it. But as you rightly said on the pod, John, because I listened to it, um, it will live and die by the recruitments because you're only as good as the players that you can get on the pitch. He will. I, I thought in his interview as well, he said, uh, sorry to interrupt Johnny, but he, he made clear that he was having a big say in recruitment as well. So he's not just in the hands of, um, you know, Dave Flickcroft and Tommy Johnson. Yeah, Andy Crosby will have to have a big say as well, which, as you said, is right, quite right, because it's his job on the line, basically, isn't it? If he gets, whether he gets the right players or not. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward to the summer and what it brings. Yeah, I, I, had, a, I had a look this week as well at, just Andy Crosby as a player, because do you know when you, you talk about it, don't you? And you think, well, our manager's going to mould the team in, in like in their image sort of thing. And I had a look, and he was a proper horrible six foot. He's like six foot two, but he was a proper horrible centre half. Like, and you look at it and think, we miss, we're missing that. We're missing that that bit of bite about us and. He reminded me, like, the, the, picture, the picture I saw was when he was at Oxford and he reminded me a bit of Darren Purse when he came in and that kind of 
showed us up a, a lot, didn't it, at the time when things were a bit rocky. So if he can fire the centre off, even 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 that's going to do you twelve months to to help out and then build that that that's a bonus. The one thing that I, I do I wouldn't say worries me about Crosby is, but concerns me. I can't ever imagine him shouting at somebody. He seems he, he seems to come across all the time really level and really really mild and sort of. The sort of bloke, you, like you said, you'd run through a brick wall for bears. But sometimes a player needs a bollocking, and I just can't can't see that from him. He doesn't come across that way. Yeah, do you know, I, I haven't seen that from him in his role as assistant manager in interviews or anything like that. But all I can think of is he was such a, a successful centre-half for a lot of games. Until you think, well, you can't have been, uh, you know, Mr Nice Guy all the time if you're a centre-half in the Football League for, what was it, 500 games or whatever. So he, he must have that in him. Um, yeah, you know, he for a couple of team of the seasons as well. So mm-hmm. he was obviously, like you say, he obviously wasn't. He was a good player, and he good players normally have a bit about them. But yeah. maybe that that was his job. Maybe the assistant job for him was he'll play the nice guy when yeah. the manager's the one that does the bollockings. So mm-hmm. maybe that might be the other way around. Maybe his assistant might be the one that is bad cop and Crosby keeps it. But I just think sometimes you just look and you think, I'd like to see him get angry. But who knows? We might see that next season a couple of times. We might see, yeah, who knows the first game when Paul O'Fell has to do the uh, the managerial <laughs> interview's first game, you know, come, to, come out breathing fire. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. <laughs> let's hope there's no need for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want him throwing the dog shits out there when the referees are <laughs> stinker. What do you think of that, Andy? Dog shit. <laughs> Put you out for a job, won't it? But then the other, the other news, and I'm I'm really happy with this news. Dan Jones, two-year contract. Yeah, I'm over the moon with this one. I think when I, we signed him, Mike, you wrote in the paper that I'd scouted him on the podcast. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> he's um, yeah, I'm I'm really pleased. I think he's a good player, and I think um, it, it, Connor Hall wouldn't have been missed as badly as he was, would he, if Dan Jones had been fit? I think that's a, that that was it was unlucky in a way. I still don't think we should have. Well, I, sorry, it's not fair to we shouldn't sold Connor Hall because it's for personal reasons. But we did miss Connor Hall, but we missed him a hell of a lot more because Dan Jones got injured, you know, quickly after. Yeah, I think it's we found out it's a two-year deal as well. So is this a sign of change? Yeah, it, it might be, you know, with a few more details being released. I never really, I, I didn't agree with the fact that, um, you know, they stopped talking about contract length and things like that because I don't think he was, it just made life more awkward, I think. I think he just annoyed supporters, really, that um, he, did, he didn't, uh, didn't give us the information we needed. And as I understood it, the reason was to try and stop speculation in the last couple of months of the season about which players are in a contract, which players are out of contract, and to sort of stop us asking questions to players every time we interviewed them, you know, are you, are you staying or are you going? And I don't think it really made any any difference in that respect. You know, you still ask the, ask the questions about players' futures and so on. So, so if this is a sign of things to come, then I think that's a, a really positive step. Yeah, I think it makes this for me, I think for, from my point of view, I think we we had a chat in in the group, and I had to ask all of them about every single player because we didn't know. Mm-hmm. So if the retained list wasn't out when it was, we might have ended up doing a podcast, talk, spoke about every single player, and <laughs> ten of them might have been in contract. So yeah. I think it it makes speculation worse, and it probably annoys fans more because 
certain players have got two-year deals that people didn't know about and mm-hmm. um, other players. Anyone in particular, Johnny? I, I don't know, mate. Um, who, who are you thinking? Oof. I'm, I'm not going to name names, but a certain winger that we signed from Wigan. <laughs> that one again. That one again. Fucking <laughs> two-year contract. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's nice to see the club announce it. And like I say, I'm, I'm happy with J- Jonesy. I, I really like him. I think he's the sort of centre-half that we, we spoke about it. He, he seemed for a shorter centre off. He never shirked a battle. Um, his passing leaves a bit to be desired. His short range passing does sometimes, but that that thing that he does from left centre off um, was a joy to watch. It just might not be a left centre off next year. We don't know what Crosby's going to play. Well, I, I was just going to ask you that. Do you think the fact that Dan Jones has resigned means we're, we're more likely to play with a back three next season? Or, or could, you know, because I'm not sure, do you see Dan Jones as one of two centre-halves or maybe a left-back, or is he sort of specialist, in, you know, as one of a, a three at the back three? I'd say it's set for a back three still because we've we've got Forrester, Smith is signed, mm-hmm. now Jones is signed, Pats yeah. still at the club, so we've got four centre-halves yeah. already. And I know Cass can kind of play right-back and Jones can kind of play left-back. But we've also offered Ben in a contract, which then would we'd have two players that can kind of play left back, and we're all crying out for a, a an improvement on him. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's just yeah, I think I think it does feel like three at the back, but it's it's obviously up to Crosby. Yeah, no, yeah. I think you're I think you're right. Actually, that's a good point about Will Forrest and Lewis Cass because you think they're probably suited really to uh, to playing in a back three as well. Yeah, I think so. And I like Jones on the left of the back three. I think that's his best position. Mm-hmm. The big question now is we've been crying out for a big six foot two, six foot three centre off that'll win everything in the air. Who misses out? Forrester, Jones, Smith. It's nice problems to have. Mm-hmm. I think we'll de- they're all fit and playing well. I think we'll definitely have some um uh, big, I think we'll definitely have a bigger team, you know, first first game of the season. Um, Andy Crosby made a remark after that, I'm sure it was after the Bristol Rovers game where he talked about he wanted, he told us to put lots of balls into the box because he said, we've actually got a bigger team than the opposition today. And then he said, un- unusually or something like that, or, you know, for, for a change. And I think that was probably a hint at, at, at what he was thinking, actually, in his, his plans for next year. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And Johnny, would you take Ryan Ennis from Charlton? Been released, obviously been on loan at Vale as a young lad. Only the four red cards last year. I was going to say, I, I, I'd take Ryan Ennis to football. I wouldn't, uh, like, I think we, we we had a breakdown over Lucas getting two two in a season. So if you sent her off getting four, and I think he got 15 bookings as well. Yeah. So it, it wasn't just, I, or was it more than that? It was I seem to remember he got a three-game ban at one stage for his bookings, but could, that could have been for... And when you think he got sent off four times as well, so he served all them suspensions, that's impressive. Oh, he got nine, nine yellows and four reds. So I think a couple of them reds might have been double yellows, but still... Did you say how many games? Um, he played 36. So... Yeah. Picking up a booking one, or a card one and three then, basically. But well, that's the most he's ever played football as well. Yeah. To be honest, you've got question with any would he pass the dickhead test? He's been in prison. He's been. He could be a completely reformed character now. Could be. Four red cards to say he's not. <laughs> well, on the football pitch, I'm on about off the football pitch. Yeah. I. I. You know. Yeah. 
I would, I'd like to see Ryan Innes type player back because I thought he was a good footballer when we had him and he, he was a beast in the air. But yeah. it's um, it, it's going to be interesting. There's a couple, there's a couple of players that have been released in the last couple of weeks that could that could be quite interesting though. Yeah, definitely. Yes. And before we move on, Johnny, to what we're here for, because we're still going. A uh, quick message for next week, isn't it? The Heroes of 93 Nights next Tuesday. So, Heroes of 93 Nights Supporters Club, get yourselves over there, get some tickets, support them, support the Rudgy statue. It's at the Mitchell Memorial Theatre in Hanley, which you can park on Tesco and put your code in at the Mitch so you can park for free. Get your tickets and been announced this week, Daryl Clark will be there. And he is there just to say thank you to the fans for obviously the is it two and a half, three seasons he's has at the Vale. Um, He's there as a guest of the supporters club to say thank you. There won't be a Q&A, but it'll be nice to sort of see Clark and let him say thank you to the fans and give your thank you to him, as well as obviously supporting the heroes of 93 and Mr. John Rudge, the legend himself, best manager Vale have had in my lifetime. Yeah, it's going to be a good good evening, I think. Um, some some good players from that time coming down and, and obviously... Be nice to see see Clarky and say and say thank you for everything he did. Yeah, and we'll yeah. be there. So get your tickets. We'll see you there. Yeah, we'll see you there. So that that'll, that'll be good. Um, and yeah, I decided that Twitter was being an excitable place this week with a tweet going round um, from the Irish guy. He 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 tweeted out randomly. Um, that's now got 14 million views. So, you know, from 2013 to 2023, pick your club's best 11 using one player each year. The pod had been tagged and sent into it multiple times. So I thought, what better time to do it now? So, you two have gone conventional with a 4 4 2. Yeah. yeah. I've gone my favorite formation in a 4 3 3. So there is going to be a bit of difference okay. here. But let's start with. Goalkeeper. Mike, who did you put in goal? Uh, this was an easy one for me. I've gone for Scott Brown and I, I went for him from the 18 oh, 19 season, I think. So it was it was quite difficult, wasn't it? So you had to um, just pick one player from each year, which made it a bit more complicated. But um, this is with the greatest respect to Chris Neal and Jack Annick, who are two um, excellent keepers. I think Scott's the best keeper I've seen for Vale since uh, Mark Goodlad. Um, which is, you know, going back 20 years. I don't, I think I'm right in saying, I don't think Scott missed a game in uh, a league game anyway in the in the three years he was here. Um, just a very good keeper. And he's not, let's be honest, he's never really been um, been replaced. Uh, I was a bit surprised when Vale let him go. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just thought it was a pretty easy one for me. And a re- really nice guy as well. He was always excellent to interview. Um, so yeah, Scott Brown. And I... What the way I did mine is I started with the squad from the twenty, uh, the twelve thirteen season, mm-hmm. pick which player I want and went through. So towards the end I had to sort of fill. And funnily yeah. enough, my goalkeeper is Scott Brown. And funnily enough, it's the eighteen nineteen season. Oh, great minds think alike. This is where I differ. Thirteen fourteen season, Chris Neal. Yeah. I, I could have gone for either of the two. I could. Yeah, for me, I just thought Chris. As much as Scott Brown was probably the best shot stopper. I thought Chris Neal was the best goalkeeper. Um, and I think he commanded his area a lot better and he was better with his feet. Um, he only went because Jack came in and Jack was 
probably a better goalkeeper, but I think Chris Neal for me, uh, we, we saw him for long enough and I really like Neal, so Chris Neal gets the nod. So, uh, it's remarkable real got Chris Neal and uh, Jack Anik on the books at the same time, isn't it? You know, that both of them have once in a, a decade keepers, aren't they, almost? They're yeah. both excellent keepers and we had, uh, unfortunately, obviously, they couldn't both get in the side. Yeah, it, it, it does it does balance it out that we had that one season there when we had 36 keepers the, the, the <laughs> later, didn't we when yeah, and I got to that season and saw it and thought Christ you can't have a goalie from that season but yeah also with Scott Brown I think he had a huge part to play in us staying in the league a couple yeah. of seasons yeah. he was here. Yeah, definitely. He was also part of one of my favourite interviews which is when we were still doing interviews over Zoom and Covid and Scott went completely like off message and he's, I think, I'm sure it was the recruitment he started talking about. This was just after Daryl Clark had come in I think and yeah. uh, I think it was Phil Bowers was asking him the questions, first of all. It's just, you know, general stuff. And it wasn't like Phil had led him into this, but he just went off on a tangent really, uh, really critical. And I was not expecting at any moment, you know, the screen's going to go blank and uh, somebody will pull the plug on the interview, but they sort of left it alone. It was, uh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. Brilliant. Um, because we're both, because we're all three of us are playing him, right back. Bez. I've gone from the 2021 season, James Gibbons. Fair enough. Baggers. I hadn't filled a right back earlier on, and I love Gibbo, as everyone knows. Yeah. Uh, I've, got, I've gone for James Gibbons as well, and I've gone for him from the 17-18 season, which I think is the one, if I remember right, is when he first broke into the first team. I think, did he did he get sent off at Yeovil? Was that his first game? But... Um, he didn't. He certainly didn't hold him back. He's a player I've really, uh, really enjoyed watching. Proper old-fashioned fullback. Um, I remember when he was coming, just coming through the youth team. Uh, Mickey, the youth coach at the time, said he was like a, a Mick Pedic uh, kind of player. And he was he was just before my time, but I could imagine Gebo playing in like the you know the seventies and uh, really getting stuck into wingers and stuff like that. So re- real, fa- real fans' favourites, understandably so. And another player I was really sorry to see um, to see go. Yeah, I'm me, I'm with you. And I remember Gibbo from the, and I've said it on here a few times, when we played Middlesbrough youth team in the cup final at Vale Park. Okay. And he was obviously playing for Vale youth team. I think he was only mm-hmm. 16, 17 at the time. And I remember coming home and saying to me, Dad, there's one player on that pitch for Vale that will make it. And yeah. it was, I said a little right back named James Gibbons, and it, it was a little dot. Yeah, but yeah. It was, as you say, he wasn't scared of anything. He ate anything that moved. And he's a good player as well. He wasn't just... Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't just about his aggression, was it? You could play, yeah. you know, you could play the uh, the right of a back three, uh, you could play right back, right wing back. Just, just a re- yeah, really good player. Yeah, definitely. And it's no surprise that it's a hat trick for Gibbo. <laughs> um, Nineteen twenty season for me, I thought. But um, yeah, James Gibbons, fantastic. Um, first centre off. Let's pro- let's let's be honest. It's probably going to be another hat trick. Um, I went Smithy. Um, 18-19 season because let's be fair you could have picked Smith in any season so it's a bit of a cop out um, but yeah you, you can't you can't pick a team at the, la- the last 11 years without including Nathan Smith no, Bez in green yeah I've got Smith I went 22-23 season so this season fair enough and Baggers yeah I've gone Smith as well I've gone 16-17 season which was his first uh, first in the team he got player of the year that year played I'm pretty sure he played every game and the fact he's what's he done seven seasons and he's averaging about fifty games a season is is yeah. absolutely incredible, isn't it? Really, I don't know what he's made of, yeah. uh, but he just never seems to get injured. 
Um, and you can, say, you can say, well, he's not the biggest, he's not the best at bringing the ball out, but he's just such a such a good player. He it must be horrible to play against. Yeah. And you know the way he's, he's only twenty seven. He's, there's some real veiled legends in terms of appearances he could overtake in the next two or three years. You know, some uh, somebody like Phil Sproson on 500 games. That's that's certainly not out of his reach the way he's going. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Did either of you see the photos this week of Haaland after he'd been he played Everton and Mina have been marking it? Yeah, yeah. It just made me think of Smithy straight away because I don't know if you saw it, Mike, but Haaland had got his top off at full time and he's got scratch marks down the side <laughs> of him. And, and I thought he could have been playing against Smithy. He could. <laughs> no. The class of 92 one where Matt Smith came off um, yeah. and took his shirt off and he was like, that boarding number six has been pinching me all game. <laughs> and it, it's just like, that's that you can just see Smithy and it's it's that gap in his teeth. I've told you, it, 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 he can't, you can't hate him for that. Like when he smile when he smiles at you, it's just like you look at it and you think it's horrible. You are you are an horrible, horrible bastard. But then you talk to him and he's lovely. Like yeah. we spent two hours talking to him on the pod and yeah. brilliant. And he never shirked a question. Um, and he just he comes across as a genuinely nice guy. But yeah. when you hear about his pinching and his pulling and his scratching and like the fact that he's not not adverse to a punch in the face shows that he's made of something that I definitely aren't made of. Yeah, no, I'm the same, and and he's another one. There are other players in this category as well. But when you think of uh, you know when we're struggling near the foot of League Two and how bad things were then, he's another one who's played a really important role in getting us through that and you know back to where we are now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. This will be interesting, Johnny. Yeah, centre half partner, Mike. Who have you picked? Well, I'm I'm worried I've missed somebody out here, but I've gone for Leon Leg um, because I just think a really good player, the t- type of player, maybe will be looked look to bring into the team now. Um, and f- the first thing to say, he wouldn't be in this team if he wasn't a good player. But it's also everything else that Leon brought to the team. He's such a such a good character. I mean, the work he's done for charity and uh, epilepsy and so on, uh, you know, fantastic. Um, he was absolutely loved at Cambridge. Uh, won you know various community awards, and I thought he was such a such a good influence as well when he came to Vale as well. So it's everything else that he he brought to it, um, but the fact he's a good player as well. Uh, when I interviewed Nathan Smith a few months ago, I asked him about the biggest influences of players he's played alongside, and he mentioned Leon Legg straight away. So I thought, well, that's that's good enough for me. Yeah, Bez. First time we differ now. I've gone from the sixteen seventeen season and a player who I think barring injury would have gone on to play at a high-level championship, maybe more. I've gone Remy Street. Yeah, can't argue with that. We all differ here. Because I've gone 22-23 season, and it's Conor Hall. Yeah. I, I, just, I, just, I just think Conor Hall, for me, is one of the best footballing centre-backs I've seen Vale have. I think Remy Street was close. Um, I think, like you say, the, the, the thing the thing that swayed Conor all over Street for me was I remember Street against Exeter away in the FA Cup where he he hadn't played for a while and he was he looked a bit slow, a bit Columbuson, whereas Conor all never 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 came across as that. And even like this season when he hasn't had the best of six months with us with the step up. He, he always had a bit about him. He was always the, the effort was always there, and I just I love Connor. So I I, I go as far as say Connor's our best ever January signing, and that 
eclipses Lee Hughes, which is a big statement. Do you know, if there's, if there's a moment that sums up Connor Hall for me, I forget what the game was, but it was um, obviously the first half of this season and the ball had been launched skyward, so like over the floodlights and came back down again. And Connor Hall was like um, marauding down the left wing, right in front of the launch street. And it was incredible. He just brought the ball down, first touch, killed it straight away. And you could hear everybody around me in the launch street just gasp, you know, it was like, as, 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 as he did it. And it was stuff that you, you didn't see every week uh, in those games. It was, just, it was just fantastic. And as you said, such a such a good play and one of those plays that you really enjoy watching. You know, it gives you a bit of a bit of extra for your money, a centre-half. You can take on players, cross the ball. Great first touch, yeah. He wasn't... I don't think he was quite as good this season, was he, as he'd been last year. But I'm sure he could have could have played this level easily. You know, for whatever reason, he just wasn't quite at the at the same form. But when he was when he was in form, yeah, he was absolute class. Yeah, I remember that one he brought down. Unbelievable. Yeah, it does. And I just think, like I say, last last season, especially the the stuff that he brought, like will will be the first to admit um, that. When he came in, we thought we were getting a striker from non-league, not the centre half from Harrogate, because that the centre half from Harrogate didn't even come up on Google when you put Connor all in. So it was when we when we got a centre half, we were like, oh, okay, this is a bit of a a bit bit of a underwhelming signing, and then then this geezer turns up and starts dropping shoulders and overlapping, underlapping, putting balls in, and you're like, fair enough. And mm. the plus side, he could defend as well, so. And you also thought, well, how, how has he been playing uh, outside the football league and then in League Two? You know, why is he not uh, played higher? Obviously, I think he had a good job before he got into football, and I think he signed for Brackley and so on. And it was just, just really, really impressive to see a player like that had come come through that route and was obviously such, you know, such a good player as well. Now I'm with him. For those that only want to throw stones at the recruitment team and no praise, look at Connor Hall because he wasn't a Clark signing or a Crosby signing. He was a recruitment team signing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, along with Ben Garrett, you know, another great signing they made. You know, I'd say those two are in that bracket are excellent signings. Yeah, yeah. So we move on to left back. Bez, who's your left back? I've gone from someone that we converted to a left back, which probably gives away where I've gone. Okay. Christian Montano from the 17-18 season. Fair enough. Baggers? Uh, I've gone for Cole Dickinson from the 13-14 season. Oh, OK. So we're all different again. Um, because we've had to pick, because because we've had to use this season, sixteen seventeen season. That season, I'm going Kiko. I absolutely love the bloke. He was a genius, and I tell you what, if he was playing in, if he was playing in the formation we play now, everyone would adore Kiko. It was just he, he had no interest in defending, did he? But <laughs> he couldn't defend in old fairness, and I was one of the few that didn't see with him, and he got forward and he put one or two good balls and but he'd also put plenty into the stand for me i thought kiko looked good because of how poor the side was he was playing it yeah that, that probably but i think other than andre bikey and maybe jerome thomas from that team there's there's not much you could pick from that side so i decided to shove him left back and ask the other three to defend and he can, he can go off <laughs> yeah, Enjoy. It, I it used Remy Street from that season. That's where I yeah. used Street. Yeah. It wasn't a vintage team, was it, that 16-17 season? <laughs> I, I, looked, I looked through it earlier, and there were some good players in there, but I think uh, a couple of them went to. We had Jack Annick who went in January, didn't we? Anthony Grant went in January. 
So a team, actually, that team started off really well. They were near the playoffs, I think, in around October time. But then it sort yeah. of um, all went off a cliff after that and lost Alex Jones as well, didn't we, in, um, in the January. So, yeah, the wheels uh, the wheels really did come off. Um, just going back to Carl Dickinson, if I can, one of the reasons I chose him was, A, again, he was such a good player, but I thought somebody who'd been so associated with Stoke and so well regarded by Stoke fans to then come to Vale and win Supporters Player of the Year, I just think that said everything about him, you know, as a character and everything he put into games. Um, as I said, as well as being a really good player as well. He could play centre-half as well as left-back, but I've, I've got him in at left-back. Yeah, no, I'm with you on him, and I've I've got Monty because I loved seeing Monty from mm. deep picking the ball up, yeah. running at people, and I actually thought he played better for us when he was deep and running onto the ball yeah. rather than when he was in the front three and he's kind of playing with his back towards goal. Yeah, yeah, another one. I really love watching Monty play. Yeah, really, yeah. really exciting, entertaining player. Yeah, definitely. I think the thing for me that with Monty is as well, like. I think he didn't know what he was going to do most of the time, which I think made it more interesting. Because yeah. I remember, I can't remember, we were, we were away. I think it might have been Bradford away where he picked the ball up at left back, ended up on the right-hand side of their box after just going on this maraudering run. And it was just like when he was on, on that mood and in that form, he was as strong as an ox as well. So, and I, I like. he developed the ability to defend. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He did. I, I, it's a shame that it didn't work out for him when Clark come in. I think he would. He could. He could have made a good wing back. But oh, I do. Yeah, I think he'd be perfect in our formation now, or our formation yeah. under Clark. But well, I think. I think you know, like that. Maybe too much water under the bridge sometimes. Yeah. Uh, we, we know he'd been there with Clark before, and Clark had got rid of him, and so maybe, maybe that was the reason. But it's a shame, really. Um. So now we for a little bit. So. I'm going to ask you for your right winger, uh, and we'll go out to a bit like that. So, Bez, your right winger. I've gone for the 12-13 season, 12-13 season, Jenison and Marty Williams. Loved seeing Marty Williams play. Scored tons of goals, got assists, exciting, got fans off the seats. Big part in Popey scoring 33 goals that season. Marty Williams for me. OK, Mike? Uh, it's hard to argue with, with that, but I've actually gone for the 14-15 season. I've gone for Mark Marshall because I just thought he was great in, in that year. Another really exciting winger. Um, and it's, it's, it's killed me because I've had to leave out some real favourite players that you know that I, re- I really liked. But I just thought he was, he was excellent that season. I think he'd fit, fit well into this, uh, this 4-4-2. Yeah, I'm with it. It kills me to leave out, was it? But yeah, I got fit players in. Yeah, well, I've gone for, for mine because I've gone four three three. So right to the front three, I've gone Dave Worrell. <laughs> like eighteen nineteen season, the assists he got, you can't argue about it. I'd, so yeah, Dave, Dave makes it hands down. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll pop into centre mid. Um, so first year centre midfielders, uh, Baggers, who have you got? Uh, I've gone for Michael O'Connor. Um, just absolute class midfielder. Um, I think he, he signed, didn't he, just after we'd been, been promoted to League One. And I think Tom Pope knew him from uh, Rotherham, which probably helped uh, to get him. Um, and he just, just, just like really quality all-round midfielder. One of those players, a, a bit like James Wilson, where you could look at him and say, yeah, he could play championship easily. So in that in that spell he was with us, I just thought, yeah, he was a real all-round quality midfielder. So yeah, easy decision for me. Yeah, we have a match, 14-15 season, Michael O'Connor. Yeah, we, we have a match, 14-15 season, Michael O'Connor. 
you can't. I think I think him and Gary Roberts are the two best centre midfielders I've seen at Vale. I think technically they had everything. The difference with Michael O'Connor was he had he had that bit of natural anger about him as well. Whereas Roberts did. Roberts was a great player, but didn't have that bit of bite about him the same as O'Connor did. O'Connor had put in the tackles, and then the goal he scored against Cardiff was was fantastic. And a couple of times that season, he he just you realise when 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 doing this, I realised how good that side was. And I think we finished ninth, and was it ninth in League One at that time? Yeah, it's like, yeah. With a few with a few more signings there. Things could have been a lot different, but we all know what happened 18 months later. The um, controller. So for, for, for you, Pair, his centre midfielder partner, who have you got? I've gone 13 14 season, Chris Lines. Love Chris Fair. Lines. Quality on the ball. Emin O'Connor obviously did play together. And I liked him. You could argue, have you got that bite? Have you got the. Tony Grant in there or Anthony Griffith is going to win the ball. But with them two, if they got the ball, you know, they'd look after it and they produce a better quality. So Chris Lyons next to him, 13, 14 season. Uh, and I've gone for a play from this season. I've gone Ben Garrity. Um, I just think great story. You know, he's come from uh, Warrington Town relatively late in his career. Um, and I just think he's over the two years, he's been uh, brilliant. We mentioned earlier, fantastic spot and signing by the, by the recruitment team. And he just thought when Andy Crosby was talking about sort of athletic players are going to run all day, never miss training. It's ironic, I appreciate he's injured. He's missed the last few games of the season. But but apart from, you know, apart from that, the last 18 months, he ticks every box. And I just think he's uh, a player that uh, we've sort of come to appreciate when he's not in the team. Did a fantastic job as an attacking midfielder, and then he's, but he's done a good job playing a bit deeper as well. So, yeah, it's uh, he gets in my team. And yeah, because um, I've gone two, I'll I'll give you I'll give you my two now, and then we'll we'll, we'll move on. So one of them, Ben Garrity, from the twenty two twenty three season, because of what you've just said, Mike. I think he was he was brilliant for the first half of the season, but we've noticed how how much we've missed him when he's not been in. So Garrity gets a nod there, but the midfield general also gets in um, from the fifteen sixteen season, and that's Anthony Grant. I think he he was. Everything Tony Griff was, but he was also a brilliant footballer as well. And yeah, I think he's when when you're looking for a holding midfielder, I want everything that Anthony Grant has got because he'd put a tackle in. He, he knew I'll give the give away them bookings where he'd pull you back or break up play when when needed, a bit like Brad Walker could. But he was such a such a calm footballer. And had that sort of Tom Pet turn about him where he'd turn it the deck and when you the free kick and take the pressure off. So I just think that I'd adore to see a midfield of Garrity, Grant and O'Connor. So that that that's who gets it for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good show. He was he was quality once. I've never seen anyone so good at winning free kicks as Anthony Grant, actually. He was he was absolutely brilliant, brilliant type. But as you said, a very good player as well. Just everything you said. And and him being sold to Peterborough was one of the sort of nails in the coffin for us, us getting relegated, wasn't he, that year? Agree with that, but Petty wouldn't be far behind for winning free kicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good show. So, we'll move on to your your left midfielders. Um, Baggers, who have you gone with? Well, I, I've 
I've sort of, I suppose, cheated a bit because I thought, well, my two wide men can swap over so that you play the right or the left because there was no way I was going to leave Dave Worrell out of the uh, out of this team. So Dave Worrell gets in for the, 20, I think, 2021 season. Just one of my favourite players uh, watching Vale ever. I think he's just been fantastic. And to go from, it was two or three years ago, wasn't he? He had the second most assists in English football after Kevin De Bruyne. And then playing on the, on the right of a, or left of a front three. And then to do that, to be converted to a new position, play right wing back and then be a regular in the team that gets promoted. Um, and uh, probably the most consistent player, I'll say, over the last um, two or three years as well. Just, just absolutely remarkable. And um, yeah, I, I hope he stays and, you know, deservedly a, a big, big fan's favourite as well. Yeah, I, I can't argue with any of that. I love Warren. I hope he stays. However, and as I've already said, I'm gutted, but he hasn't made my side just because how it's fallen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gone for the 15-16 season. Another player who I think, born in injury, would have gone on to play championship. It's an absolute minimum. Unfortunately, got a really bad injury, never recovered. Enoch Ander, loved the bloke. I thought he was a touch of quality. He was only good, though, when Uche was playing, if you remember. like If Uche wasn't on the pitch, Ander looked like a lost little child. And Ucci also looked lost without Ando. The, together, they were dead just... But on his day, I mean... And to be fair, I think just before his injury, kind of... Because how long was he at Vale before his injury? Maybe 18 months, something like that? Maybe even longer. But I think he just started finding a bit of consistency and it was putting in some... Well, eye-catching performances. The rumours mm. were Tottenham had sent scouts. Yeah. And was he... they were looking at him. So, you know, he was doing something right. Was it West Brom away in the cup that yeah. he played then, where he played, and that was when he was having that real, real good spell, wasn't he? And he, you're right, he was, he was unplayable at that time. I think it was Colchester away he got injured, wasn't he? Was. Um, yeah. You know, it just just goes to show that professional football. People think of it as being glamorous, but just just in an instant like that, and you know, and um, think things can go wrong. Um, yeah, but what what a player, you know, during that spell, as you said. Yeah, I went from Premier League scouts watching him to playing non-league, didn't he? Mm. With one yeah. injury. Yeah. So, yeah, Ando, for me, loved the bloke, and I'd love to see him obviously not get injured and carry on his progression. Fair enough. Um, front two, then, for you, pair, and I've got two places left. Um, my left-sided player, and this is probably going to cause a bit of a bit of hoo-ha, um, from the 2021 season is Devante Rodney. Wow. I thought that season, he he was a rough diamond. It looked like he had something about him. He scored some cracking goals. He was just a little bit short. But I think you put Warrell, Pope and Rodney as your three with O'Connor, Garrity and Grant behind him. I think I think I think he'd do well, and it's proven this season at Rochdale. He's he scored ten, twelve goals for for a Rochdale side that's finished bottom of the league. So. There was a player in there. He, you just, like Clarkie said, you just need to give him a slap to get it out of him. So he's mine. Um, who's your first striker then, Bez? Yeah, and have you just given us your striker by saying Waddle, Pope, and Rodney or not? Let's be, let's be honest. Tom Pope was getting in everyone's side. Fair enough. Well, I'll start there then because Tom Pope's in my 1920 season. Yeah, uh, sorry, Bez. Yeah, Tom Pope's in mine as well. I've gone from the. 2012-13 season. I, I, absolutely no way you could leave him out. Um, yeah. Personally, I always enjoyed interviewing him and uh, he did a column with us for ages and I'd, I'd ring him for that. And uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, chatting to him about that because he's so so knowledgeable. It was a real education for me. 
uh, him talking about you know the art of being a centre forward and so on. It was just uh, just fantastic. So re- you know really enjoyed that. So that's apart from the fact obviously he walks into the team just on his playing ability and his record and commitment as well. You know the fact he played on with a was a uh, broken arm, dislocated shoulder at Sunderland yeah. in a in a pretty meaningless trophy game. You know just showed his his commitment. Uh, so yeah, it gets enhanced down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think I think it'd be ludicrous if anyone leaves Popey out. Um, I it's just, yeah, it's Tom Pope, isn't it? Like he like like he said plenty of times for for an head on a stick, he hasn't he hasn't had a bad career, has he? So, and I I do I do really think that he brought the best out of so many players. You mentioned Mary Williams earlier, Bez, but what what did Ashley Vincent do when he left? And how good was Ashley Vincent that season? How good was Dodsey when playing with Pope, for example? Ben Williamson, you, you know, there was so many players. AJ Leach-Smith, when, when he played around, there's so many players that came on because Popey was there to do the, the dog work. And it's not just with us. Adam LaFondra sings his yeah, praises. LaFondra. Yeah, So, like, Nicky Maynard sings his praises. Like, he's such... He, he's, your, he, he's your perfect target, man. Because he wasn't slow either. And I think that's the other thing. Like he got slow in the last few seasons, where there's don't don't get me wrong, but he got older. We every that happens to everyone, but he wasn't a slouch. He was he was a decent footballer. So hope he's got to make it. So we're down yeah. to the final one. This could be interesting because you've gone I reckon two. we've gone the same striker, I reckon. But what season have you gone with? Let's start with that. Twenty one, twenty two. Where have you gone, Marcus? I've gone 21-22 as well. It's Wilson then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Got me. <laughs> Got me. For ability alone, let's be honest, in that season, 21-22, he carried us over the line at Exeter to Swindon. And I don't think we've done a pod since he's been announced he's been gone, have we, Johnny, that no, Wilson has to be signed in. I'm absolutely gutted he's gone. However, from a business perspective, I think it's the right call. So it's not, I'm gutted, God, the club needs shutting because we've let Wilson go. I am gutted he's gone, but I do think it's the right call for obvious reasons. But a fit James Wilson, you'd just say to him, write down what figure you want and give it to him, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I agree with you, Bez. I can understand the club's um, the club's reasoning um, with you know not uh, not taking him on, not agreeing a contract. But yeah, what a play. And it's just been a, a privilege, hasn't it, having him on the books for a couple of years. There's some things... Some of the little touches and, and passes and stuff like that that you just did a bit of a double take, didn't you? Say what well, you know, didn't see that coming, and it was just yeah, class a play that could have been easily been playing at a higher level, and yeah, re- really enjoyed watching him in a Vale shirt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, Josh Green's done a video as he always does, and I think the first goal on there was one from the promotion season where he's at like the angle of the box, and he puts it across the keeper into the far bottom corner, and no other striker in League Two's doing that, no striker in League One's doing that. No, I, I did feel a bit harsh leaving Willow out, and I, I was, I was, did, I did, did almost shoehorn him in on the, on the left of a three, but then, then I thought that that'd be a bit, that'd be a bit contradictory, seeing as he's, he has played, his best for us in the centre, hasn't he? So yeah, yeah, definitely, but, definitely. Yeah, Willow's great, and yeah, that's that's the first, the first hour of the pod done. And we haven't even got on to the season. <laughs> are we doing it all? Are we doing another pod for that? No. Well, come on. We, we, we'll do it. I don't want to spend too much time on it because only half of the season was good. So, 
we'll get cracking. We started the season all the way back in July, but we'll combine July and August. So six games in that first spell. We got nine points from it. Key fixture I picked out was Burton away. Um, because of Alice Harrison, that, that, that's, that's where he kind of announced himself for me. And we saw that we had a, a good striker on his hands. Um, bad result of that time was the Exeter one. I just want to focus on that one a little bit because obviously, Mike, you will have been there. Um, 4 0 defeat, back to back away game sort of thing with Exeter. And you see, you, you saw how they, they came up with us. Um, how did that feel from you interviewing the players and the manager at that time, seeing as like you'd hope that there wouldn't be too much difference coming up with them, but yeah, or else suggests otherwise. It, it felt at the time like we weren't ready uh, for League One. I, th- I don't think we got a team together, had we really? Uh, so we had um, t- Jamie Proctor and Tommy McDermott playing up front, uh, and that's no disrespect to Tommy McDermott, who did well at the start of the season, but it was like, well, we're still waiting for a striker to come in. Um, and it was just like we just just got caught cold a bit by a team who looked more more prepared for uh, for going up for promotion than we did. Um, I don't think it was it was a case of oh, no we've we've had it for the rest of the season just because we've lost this um, this I think it was the first away game wasn't it? It was just a sign that really we'd had a was it three weeks shorter preseason than everybody else and we weren't quite ready for um, for the step up at that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm with you. And I do think that day Exeter were very good as well. I don't mm-hmm. think it was like we were that bad that Exeter just put four passes. I actually thought Exeter looked a good side that day and I thought these will be fine in League One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the referee helped them as well, didn't they? Given yes, that, that stupid penalty, yeah. Yeah. And the, the one of them was an absolute screamer as well, wasn't it? From Yeah. I think it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... I think it's fair to say that the, the first month was was okay. Fans fans were all right with it. They weren't too ecstatic, but they weren't weren't downhearted. Then we the moved into memory of the first month was that we hadn't recruited a striker, and we were, as you mm-hmm. say, Proctor was playing on one leg basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matthews a midfielder was playing up. Yeah. And Wilson was out injured, and we got another striker on the books at that point. Was Mipo not, in by then, or was Mipo not no, signed? Harris, Harrison and Mipo come in later. Mm. I see yeah. Harrison come in just before the Burton game. Yes. Um, and then I think Mipo come in pretty much on deadline day-ish. Yeah, that was um, my lasting memory of August. It felt as though, looking back, I remember saying it at the time, we treated August as pre-season, which I was yeah. a bit disgusted in a little bit at the time, thinking, well, did we play four or five games in August? Played, well, yeah, if you include July's one game, we played six. Six, and it kind of felt like, and it nearly come to it, we only stayed up by, what, four or five points in the end. It felt yeah. like we'd wrote them games off and we were starting our season in September. I remember that's how it felt to me, and it probably wasn't the strategy or anything. I just remember as a fan, that's how it felt in August. I think, yeah. the, fact, I think the fact we won on the opening day against Fleetwood took some pressure off in that respect, didn't it? Because it meant we could lose at Exeter the next, the next week, and it wasn't... It wasn't like we were building up this sort of losing momentum. Um, I, I just thought the club had had a much shorter season than the preseason than everybody else, and it, you know it really told uh, in, yeah. the, in that certainly in that Exeter game. Yeah, and I seem to remember we were swapping players around Tuesday, Saturday, and it wasn't like a couple of changes. We were making like wholesale changes from a Tuesday to a Saturday, weren't we? Yeah, we, we were, and I think I think that's that that was key. 
we on the podcast all said that it felt like a pre-season, didn't it? And yeah, it was it was a risk, but thankfully one that paid off. Um, so yeah, moving into September, there was there was only four games in September. The key one for me, I've picked out was Barnsley away. The draw, I think you saw them. Barnsley were a good side, but I felt like we went toe to toe with them pretty much. First fifteen twenty minutes, they were very good, weren't they? But that after that, I think Stevens made some real good saves in that game, and then yeah. James Wilson came on and was absolute class. Um, the 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 poor one. I've gone for another draw, and it was a two all draw at home to Cheltenham. Because I think everyone came away from that thinking, how have we not won it? Because we conceded two real sloppy goals in that game, didn't we? And I think, Bez, you, you weren't too happy after that one because I, I actually didn't go that game. And I remember that you, you were a bit unhappy, shall we say, about the defending. Yeah, I think so. they had a young lad on loan who's now at Bolton, uh, Dan Andulu. Yeah, the one from Southampton. From Southampton. And he terrorised us that day. He was, and I remember saying on that day, he looks a prospect, he doesn't. Is he on loan at Bolton or have they signed him? I'm not sure, but... He's on loan at Bolton from Southampton still, yeah. So uh, they might mate, use him next season. I was just going to say, maybe he's one that we could look at in the summer if he's still as good as he was that day. But yeah, I, I do remember Cheltenham. I think I can't remember that much of it, so I'll go Barnsley because I think Politic came on that day as well and he made a big impact off the bench. And what I remember of the Barnsley game is that actually for 70 minutes, they were by far the better side. We were 1-0 down, should have been about five. And as you say, that was Stephen's best game for Vale. And then Wilson come on, I think Politic come on. Butterworth might have actually come on that one and he made a big impact and we got away with the point and it did feel as though actually we can grind out results. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I remember the the Barnsley game, it's the same as you thinking, yeah, the, these are a good side. We were under a cosh for, for the lot of the game. There was a big away supporter, if, if I remember right. And uh, yeah, just the fact that we'd, we'd hung on when we had to, only conceded once and, and managed to get a point out. I thought that sort of, um, that, that was a good omen for the rest of the season. But I wasn't surprised to see Barnsley go on and, uh, and finish finish high up. No. Um, so yeah, move on to probably the best month of the season, um, October. This was close between a home defeat and an away victory for my for, for a highlight of the month. I think special mention has to go to Ipswich at home. I thought that was a great game of football. And yeah. for the neutral, I think everyone would have looked at it and gone, this is two top teams here going toe-to-toe. Um, but I've gone Derby away because, let's be fair, you've got to, haven't you? Um, such a good day. First time we got a penalty in 3,498 billion years, wasn't it? And we missed it. Um, and, then, and then obviously Willow's goal was fantastic. And the the, the second penalty, um, the red card and just everything about it. It was, it was such a good day. Yeah, and I'm with you on that. And as you talk about that, Coventry have just taken the lead in the lead in the championship playoff final. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree with you about Derby. Just thought it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic performance. As you said, um, Tom Collin missed missed the penalty, didn't he? And you're thinking, oh, it's it's not our day. But um, yeah, just just yeah, fantastic, James Wilson. Great away support. So it was a great occasion because of that, wasn't it? Twenty eight thousand there. Uh, I think it was, and um, yeah, just just a fantastic day. And I thought then we'll 
we've arrived, you know, we're, we're in League One, we're competing with, with the better teams. Um, I did a review for the paper and I picked that out as my game of the season, or even though I suppose uh, winning at Plymouth in December, the fact they went on to win the league looks like a better result. It just felt uh, that Vale was still finding the feet in League One and, and they, they did establish themselves with, with that win. Yeah, what impressed me most that day is that we were the better side. We didn't go there and escape with a 2-1 win. From my recollection, they basically played counter-attacking football because they couldn't get out of there at all apart from counter-attacks. We had them penned in and we fully, fully deserved the 2-1 win. I think we were the better side for 70, 80 minutes of that day from what I remember. Yeah, the first the first 15 minutes we penned them back, didn't we? And then we got caught on the break because we gambled a bit too much. But then... We got the penalty. We obviously missed that one, and then you thought, "There you go. That's that. That's done." You know, you don't normally get another chance, and then a second one comes along, and the Willow goal, and then I just think how we defended. I remember Dan Jones getting booked for time wasting and stuff like that near the end when he moved to wing back, and it was just everything about the performance. Every player got it spot on, but the 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 downside of that month. Forest Green at home, they were they were garbage and we just couldn't deal with them that day, could we? And it ended two all. Was it ninety first minute Willow equaliser? It was it was it was very late, wasn't it? Yeah, something uh, like that. But yeah, that 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 wasn't that wasn't the best of days. So we won't we won't focus too much <laughs> on. No, at least we haven't got to play him again next season unless we draw them in a cup. Well, yeah, that's it. Um, then we move on to November. That was. Utterly, utterly poor month for us, really. Um, we only played three games. So I've picked out the only the only win, which was Charlton at home. And I don't know if you remember much about it. I don't think anyone would be forgiven for not remembering. It wasn't the best. Um, so we'll, we'll concentrate a bit on the negative for this one. Oxford 4-0 defeat. It was terrible, Mike. From your from your position that day, the Oxford game. How hard is it to 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 stay? Because obviously you've got you've got to be a bit more upbeat than maybe me and Bez have to be when we're recording the podcast. So from your perspective, how hard is it reporting on a day like that? Well, I do I do remember that day because um, I forget who should have been summarising with Phil for Radio Stoke, but I think they were ill and they couldn't make it. You know, right at the last minute. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure I was summarising with Phil that day. Uh, I said just to help him out because I was going to the game anyway. So I was trying, um, so it wasn't just a case of trying to be balanced in, in print. So I was trying to do it sort of as it, as it was happening, you know, as all the uh, as all the gory details were uh, happening in front of my eyes. Um, it, it was tough. I think the fact that we we'd done pretty well up to that point uh, in the season, you thought, well, maybe this is a this is a blip rather than you know a sign of things to come or part of a pattern and we're going to be in trouble. It was just one of those games where everything went wrong, really, didn't it? Um, was Aiden Stone back back in the team for that game, I assume, because Jack Stevens wasn't playing? Um, I'm not saying that made a difference particularly, but it was a bit tough for him to have to come in and then play, you know, play when the whole team had a had an off day. Um, yeah, not not a day to remember. I, enjoy, I always enjoy summarising with Phil, but uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy that day particularly. Have you ever been tempted on a match report to write that was dog shit? <laughs> I haven't. I know. I have I don't think that would make it past the uh, past the sub editors. <laughs> Fair enough. P- p- perhaps I won't apply for a job at the Sentinel then. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that day it was just what got me that day. I remember coming out fuming because I come out and thought Oxford weren't even that good. 
mm-hmm. we were just that bad that day. Like I said on the Exeter today, I thought Exeter actually played some good football. Yeah. Oxford was shite. And we were four goals worse than him. It wasn't a smash and grab. We were that bad. And Johnny, I remember you picking up when we did the pod after the after about two minutes, Alice Harrison felt a slight brush, went down, ref was having none of it. In fact, it wasn't after two minutes, it was the lead up to their first goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And after that, we just we were never at the races and never looked interested. And they had a right wing back that absolutely terrorised our defence. Was it Giovanna Giovanna Anderson? Could have been. I think someone said he was about thirty something when we looked up. Uh, I don't know. I don't know because I know that Anderson's just been released and he was one of the ones that was apparently supposed to be injured just before we played him because they hadn't they hadn't won in about fifteen ninety at that point. Mm. Like the home game or the away game. The home game. Yeah, no, no, yeah. And Matty Taylor obviously scored two for them that day. Yeah. He did. Yeah. It's it's funny that you mentioned the other games, the Charlton win. That was the week after the the Oxford game, which which suggested, well, you know, we've, we're not going to be knocked out of a stride by a really horrendous performance because that was a really battling decent performance, wasn't it, the week after, which seemed to suggest good things were to come for the rest of the season, although that it didn't really pan out that way. Yeah, yeah well, it, good things carried on for the next couple of weeks, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we move into December, and you've already touched on it. Plymouth two 0 Friday night. What what a day that was, and and that that was for me, Mike. Was that was the point for me where I thought, no, do you know what? We we're we're we're, we're able to compete in League One. We're, we're we deserve to be a League One football club now. And yeah. I'm not saying that I thought we were safe at that point, but I I didn't think we'd be in the danger that we ended up being in. Um, mm. So I really enjoyed that Plymouth game. It made the drive on the Friday all the more worth it. Um, yeah, I think yeah. It was, wasn't that the first time Plymouth hadn't won at home in any of the? Yeah. I think they'd won all the all the league games at home up to that point, hadn't they? And, and again, scored either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like Beth said with the Derby game, it wasn't like a fluke. It wasn't two um, two goal, uh, goals on the break or anything like that. You know, available well worth the win. Um, yeah, and I, I I didn't even consider a relegation battle at that point. I was looking at where we were in the in the table. I think we might have gone might have been ninth or something at the time. So I was definitely uh, looking up at the time. Yeah, no, it was my worst Christmas do that night. So we'd gone out for tea and leak, and we were sat down for half six. And I said to him, "I says half seven, I'm going because I'm going home watch the Vale and I follow." And I didn't have me pudding because the service was that slow. And I come home and got home in time to see the veil go one up. And what a great performance it was. And well worth missing me pudding. <laughs> There's no greater compliment than that for an away. There isn't. <laughs> there isn't. If it's worth missing your pudding, you know, it's a good performance. But then the down of that month, I've gone with the, the week later, the Bristol Rovers defeat away. I just thought we were so lacklustre that day. And... Everything about the day felt like it was going to be a good day. The Clark going back to his old club, you'd think he's a bit, a bit fired up. I know he's loved there, but he seems to be the sort of man that you'd think would love to go and shut him up. And I just felt like we were just so off the boil that day that it should have been more than one. And we kind of escaped with a 1-0, but it wasn't a pretty game of football at all, was it? See, I don't remember it as that. I remember it as... Really, it was a sma- not a smash and grab on them because we weren't great that day. But I don't remember them being better than us on the day and we weren't great. Their goal should have been ruled out for a foul on Will Forrest and I still stand by that. Um, I thought it was a nil-nil all over it with neither team ever looking like scoring from what I remember. I thought 
I, I wasn't sure about the, whether it was a foul on Forest or, or not. I thought it was, a, you know, one of those, sometimes you get at home, maybe not away. I remember their centre-forward was decent, wasn't he, Coburn? Yes. Uh, yeah, he had a good game, but yeah, I, agree. I don't think there was that much in, in the match, really. Uh, uh, just, just a yeah, disappointing afternoon all round. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah. we got so wet through on that terrace, as I remember. Not quite as wet as uh, Forest Green, but... Yeah, not quite, not not quite forest green. But the end of December marked the halfway point. We'd played twenty three games at that point. We'd won, we'd won nine, drew five, lost nine, and we we're on thirty two points. And we were sat sat about tenth. So you'd say really successful first half of the season. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. and that's and, and that's where we're going to end today because um, it's it's downhill from from there really. <laughs> Yeah. Are uh, we really? Grit- no. Let's grit his teeth together. Bloody hell. <laughs> I, 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 I was getting my cup of cocoa ready, then. Go bed. No. I was just like, it's all past nine. I can be in bed. Get in. Bloody hell. Fancy doing that too, Miss Johnny. Yeah. We'll, we'll rattle through him. Don't worry. High, oh. high of January, Forest Green. Um, for 89 minutes, it was terrible. Um, Lewis Cass tried to break his neck. Um Feigned concussion. I'm I'm going to put it out there now. Season's over. They they can't do anything. Feigned concussion and politic changed that game. Um. So yeah, it's three. No, three. wasn't politic. If you remember, wasn't it Funzo or was Funzo already on the pitch at that point? Well, I, I just remember them both coming on. So yeah, it could be Funzo sub that meant that. I think Funzo was the fourth sub. I could be remembering wrong because, as you say, it was the first of January. And I've had a beer or two since then. Oh no, you you know you're right. Funzo was the sub. Yeah, I thought he was, and he changed it. Yeah, Gav Massey had a good game that day as well. No, Gav Massey had a good 20 minutes at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the the whole of the team had a good 20 minutes at the end of the game. Yes. But that was that, the day, that was it. It's absolutely hammered it down, didn't it? Yes. That day. And, you know, typical, that was when uh, it was an open terrace for the away. And again, that was another one with, big, you know, big away support. Uh, yeah, and what a finish. I'm not sure Danny's uh, politic meant that goal, did he, right at the end? But. No. We, we, all, we all took it, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely took it. And as you say, at that point, you start the year with three points and you're looking up the table, aren't you, mm-hmm. at that point? Although, let's be honest, I don't think any Vale fan realistically thought a playoff push was on the cards. But at that point, you certainly weren't looking down the table. No, you weren't. And then, I, I suppose, this this can be... this. We're going to have to say this is the start of the rot. And this is kind of why I've picked it. The Peterborough home game. Yeah. I think we were poor that day. I didn't feel like they were amazing. I, obviously, we know it was Ferguson's first game in charge, but I didn't, I didn't feel like we were amazing that day. Um, 2-0 defeat. Some positives were coming out of the club in terms of what was said on the commentary and, and, and some of the interviews and stuff around it. And it just... It just didn't seem to materialise after that. So that's that's the, the low of, of that month that I picked out. Um, but yeah. Yeah, my low too. That's where something went wrong for me on the pitch. And I think there's a lot of rumours that stuff went wrong off the pitch. And we know that we were signing X, Y and Z and it never materialised. But yeah, on the pitch, if you're focusing purely football, that's the day that the season took a massive nosedive. Yeah, I think there's no doubt the club decided to rein in the spending, didn't they, in, uh, after January? And I don't know at what point that decision was made. You know, that's the that's thing I don't know. I didn't hear um, 
that it was Dave Flickcroft, was it, on Sky uh, during yeah. that match? Because that was on the Monday night, wasn't he, that game? Yes. yes. Um, yeah, so that was certainly a decision, which, which I, could, I could understand, you know, when Carol went on and um, did an interview later saying, well, we've spent in four years what we would have done in five. I didn't quite understand them uh, thinking we can't carry on at, at this rate. And I, I suspect they, well, I'm sure they wouldn't have thought we'd have the second half of the season like like we did do. I, I would never have thought that either. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely a factor, I would, I would say. Yeah, and in hindsight, learning curve for the club, that interview should have been done then to say we're pulling spending in and because fans were still expecting at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I suppose the club would argue they did bring Matty Taylor in, didn't they, right on the... Um, the Right on the January deadline, he's an experienced League One goal scorer. Um, I'm sure Daryl Clark said the fans for him. He thought we'd come out of January uh, stronger again. Whether how much of that was for public consumption, you know, I'm not sure because obviously it materialised that, that we didn't really, you know, as play, things played out. And he said later in the season we we uh, we regressed during, during January. Yeah, and I think at that point we were being linked with £200,000 bids for Tramier's left-back. Obviously, you never know what's true and what yeah. isn't, because it's all rumours. But And then all of a sudden it was, no, there's no money, we're not signing anyone. As in, and when I say no money, I don't mean the club skimp, but we're not mm. spending. Yeah, yeah. And I, as I said, I I, I thought when, when Carol explained, it seemed pretty reasonable to me that you don't want the yeah. club um, spending too much uh, to chase... I don't know what they, what they would have been chasing really for a tenth at the time. Would, would realistically have we got a chance of the playoffs? You know, I don't know. And they probably looked at it and thought, well, yes, we've lost Connor Hall. We can replace him with a youngster from Nottingham Forest. We bring Matty Taylor in as well. There's no re and and you know, despite January, I, I still don't think that was the sole reason that we went from tenth to eighteenth. You know, it can't it can't have been really another had the sort of awful run we did do. As good a player as Connor Hall was. Yeah. Um, that was, I yeah. Agree. I agree. And also, obviously, Mal Benny missed that chance in the Peterborough game at nil-nil and inside mm-hmm. the first 10 minutes where yeah. he's one-on-one with the keeper six yards out and had that gone in, who knows yeah. how that game goes, who knows how the rest of the season goes, but yeah. it just wasn't to be. I mean, the following the following game, we played at home to Derby, didn't we? We played really well, just yes. got beaten right at the end. Uh, so it wasn't as though the, the wheels completely came off in that week. We were still a, a good side at that time. We pushed a good Derby side you know, all the way the, the following game. Yeah, and Man City have just pretty much secured the place in the Champions League final with the third goal. Oh. Wow, there we go. Cheers, Jeff. <laughs> so we move into Feb, and I'm going a bit off piste here with a key. Like my 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 main highlight was the actual two-one defeat to Bolton, um, because I thought we were brilliant that day, and we didn't deserve to lose. Um, Bolton fans were really complimentary and I just thought that day I thought the wheels were back on that it felt like it was like right we've we've got through it yes we've lost but the sign of progress um, obviously that didn't that didn't materialise but I thought that was one of them days um, yeah. what were you, oh, sorry sorry Baggers go on no no I, I agree with you I just and even at that point, you know, it, um, I never, it never crossed my mind really that we were sliding down, that we'd be bottom six or anything like that. I just thought, you looked at that bolt performance, we were a good side, we were really unlucky on the day. Uh, another one, we'd, it followed a pattern really of, of decent away performances at big clubs, didn't it? I suppose that they were the, the highlights of the season. I, I can't 
prob the probably in terms of home performances, there weren't that many standout ones, were there over the season? You could maybe say the Derby game where we actually ended up losing, but probably the bigger highlights were, were away from home. Um, Bolton probably not the best example because we lost the game, but it was a it was a really decent performance on the road. Yeah, it definitely was, and as you say, we battered them, and their fans were saying they were the best side we've seen this season. It was the day Gavin Massey decided jacket in, but. Apart from that, it was a fantastic team performance, all-round performance. And on another day, we win that game. We win it comfortably. Yeah, we did. We had some real good opportunities early doors as well. Um, and I think we got an early goal and we thought, oh, here we go. And yeah, if they were a good side. They spent some real good money, though. And to go toe-to-toe with them, you were just... I was, I was impressed by it. And like I say, I thought it stopped the rock, but... The down one, not just for the refereeing point performance from your mate Ben, but Accrington at home. Speedy. Yeah, Accrington at home. Dog shit. Yeah. We were terrible that day, and Accrington were worse, and we still we still couldn't find a way past them. Yeah. Um, and again, really, we won the game 2-1, but the referee makes a massive owl to disallow a goal, which... There's never been a disallowed goal ever in the rules of football. Disallowed the goal, gave us a penalty instead, which, yeah, OK, you can argue we should have scored it. When the goal is six foot seven and guesses the right way, he's got a good chance of saving it. And it wasn't a bad penalty from Butterworth. But, yeah, referee Mr Speedy decided he wanted to be friends with John Coleman. He'll be very lucky if they play us next season because it means they've drawn us in the cup. Glad he's gone down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, had we won that game, I don't think there would have been any talk of us being in relegation trouble or anything like that. We just needed a win from somewhere, didn't we? And we, we should have got it on that day. Yeah, it was just a, as you said, it was a howler by the ref. Just um, no point saying any more about it. He just got it, he just got it wrong, didn't he? Um, their, their keeper, uh, I know you mentioned Connor Ripley, haven't you, at Morecambe before, but I thought their keeper was, was really good. Was it um, Jensen who, who was on yes. loan? Or Jensen, sorry. But, but he, yeah. he was excellent. You know, one of the players that... Um, I think he was on loan as well, wasn't he? So, uh, yes. yeah, re- really good performance. On loan um, from Burnley, I think he was. I think so, yeah. On loan from Burnley because we, we were convinced he was the Beast's um, relation. Um, yeah, and the Beast's relation actually at Everton. Yeah. We, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah, he, he, I thought their keeper really impressive and obviously Accrington had come uh, be a bit of a bogey side for the rest of the season, wouldn't he, when we went there later on. But yeah, um, into March and Portsmouth away. Obviously, 2-0 two, two up, drawing two all. You'd usually walk away a bit downhearted, but they were in good form. And overall, it was a decent result. Um, good away day. Um, Baggers, from your, from your view, obviously, what, were you, what was your thoughts of Portsmouth as, as ground? Because we, we, we were a bit surprised by it, weren't we, Bez, from the away away end Wait. Um, I thought that I thought the atmosphere was brilliant we took a big away following didn't we on the, the stand behind the goal um, I don't know what the facilities were like in the away end they were pretty good in the in the main stand where I was and the other thing I noticed was um, before the kick off the, the sort of song they were all playing I won't guess it what it was you know everybody everybody chanting and clapping along with that I thought that made it you know real, uh, real real good atmosphere but the Vale fans more than, more than held their own uh, as did the team. Thought we, we played really well for a spell, didn't we? We just couldn't uh, couldn't quite keep it, keep it going. Um, yep. But I just thought, well, no disgrace. You're in against you know up against a decent side away from home. 
Um, but, they were, you know, again, there were positive signs in, signs in the game. Yeah, another one for me where the ref had got either own win or draw on his coupon, gave them two penalties. Second one was, first one, very, very soft. Gave us nothing all day, that referee, as I remember, and he's laughing and joking with Colby Bishop from the first whistle to the last and very, very standoffish with Vale players, which I've got no problems with refs chatting and having a laugh and joke with players as long as you do with both sides and show impartiality, he didn't. He was diabolical, but our performance, I thought, was very good. As you say, Johnny, proper ground for me. I love grounds like that. The facilities weren't great by any stretch. In fact, they were poor, but I love proper old-fashioned grounds like that. And the Vale fans were fantastic that day, as you say, Baggers. Yeah. yeah. And then the the um, the the negative was the 3-2 home defeat against Burton. <laughs> and I just can hear the dossers on the team. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was just it was just, it was a bad day that was, wasn't it? Like they were terrible. We we managed to be worse. Like we were bullied by Dale Taylor, who's who's a kid. Um, and yeah, we just everything they ate just seemed to nestle in the back of the net, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, sorry, yeah, I was just going to say that was, that was the start of a. It came in a spell, didn't we? When we played teams just below us maybe and just didn't didn't perform and did it and I just wonder if that was one of those games that um, ended up maybe costing costing Daryl his job and I will come on to the next next month and the Accrington and Cambridge games in a minute but it was just yeah def- defeats to, to teams around us and that was at the point then you started to think well maybe maybe we might be in trouble. Yeah and it was and as you say we just weren't up for it that day Burton deservedly got the win and they weren't very good. I know, Johnny, you said Dale Taylor kid and bullied as he did. I really liked the look of him that day. I thought he was one hell of a player. Oh, yeah. One keep not, your eye out for. Yeah, I'm not saying he wasn't good. I just, like, as a 19-year-old doing that to the whole of our back three as well. Yeah. It wasn't just like he, he did what the experienced ones have done and gone, gone play on Donnelly, which he, he obviously will, will know because they're both at Forest. But... He went and stood toe to toe with Smithy and bullied Smithy. He yeah, then went. Not many players do that. Never mind a nineteen-year-old lad. No, exactly. And, and then he went over to to Forrester as well and did the same thing. He, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't shy. And yeah. like you said, not many players will do that. And not many days Smithy has like that. Like there's, there won't be many times Smithy will have a day like that. And everyone's allowed an off day, aren't they? Yeah. When you're as consistent as Nathan Smith, so. The problem uh, is we had 11 players having off days that day, as I remember. There might have been one or two that were OK. I can't fully remember. But you can, on a, a game, you're going to have one or two players that aren't at it properly. You can't carry 11 players not at it properly, even against the poor side. Yeah, no, that, that, that's the big thing, isn't it? And then we move on to, I've combined the last two months, because, again, we only played one in May. Um, highlight, another defeat, but Ipswich away. That felt like the turning point in terms of survival. Yes, we lost 2-1, but we played really well. And Tommy McDermott, uh, not Tommy McDermott, sorry, James Plant. Um, I was reading my notes then. James Plant, what a performance in centre midfielder from somebody that's a winger. Um, Mike, did you did you get an explanation of why he played centre mid that day? Um, I think there wasn't there weren't many options, were there? If I remember right, did we have only 
one senior midfielder available, Some, something like because of injuries and suspensions. Funzo Ojo was suspended, wasn't he? Uh, we got injuries. I suppose he could have played Tommy McDermott, but because uh, he was on the bench that day. Uh, but I think it was just that's no disrespect to James Platt. We didn't have anybody else um, who could have played centre midfield. Um, obviously, Andy Crosby must have known that James Plank could do a job there because he, as he did, he, had, he, he was just fantastic on the day. Uh, worthy man of the match, regardless of the fact he was um, 17 or 18. He was just uh, just brilliant. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he hadn't played in that position before. I'm sure Andy Crosby said that after. So to turn in a performance like that, um, yeah, just fantastic. No, I agree with you. And I think Petty, they said, failed a fitness test that day. That's it. Ankle. Yeah, that's it. Bad ankle um, wanted fitness test, so... It was Conlon and another, yeah, and Planter stepped in. And here's one for you, Mike. Lorraine is on the podcast having mm-hmm. discussions, and you've heard me say I'd have no problem with Planty being in the first eleven next season, week in, week out. Johnny and Steve, I think, on the pod thought it was a bit too soon for him. Is he good enough being the first eleven, week in, week out? Can uh, you put put him in that uh, side every week? I think that's that's real. I'm set on the fence a bit. It's really hard to judge. You know, on, on this on the space of three games, I think what we can say. He's got amazing potential, and at some point he will be in that, in that first team. But I think Vale's decision might be: well, do we keep him in the first team squad? And if he ends up on the bench most weeks, is he better off uh, going on loan and playing regular football? But I, I, I don't know. I don't know what what call they'll make. I suppose they'll see how he does in training, you know, in in the summer. Because uh, it'd be a shame if he isn't playing regularly somewhere. If you see what I mean, just because you, you would yeah. want to hinder his development. No, agree with that. But for me, he's in that first 11 weekend. Week. Obviously, it depends on pre-season, how he comes back. Yeah. But everything you hear about him and everything when he speaks, and that it sounds like the model pro will do everything right. He won't be going out getting spanned. He'll be watching what he's doing, coming back stronger, fitter. Well, he's not old enough going out getting spanned. He's only 17. Were you going out getting spanned at 17? That, that's slander. <laughs> Is it true? I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was in the pub at 17, but that's... It can't be slandered if it's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't a professional footballer. I, I, I didn't have, my body wasn't a temple. And now we know why you weren't. Exactly, the pub took me. <laughs> but yeah, but, everything, he sounds like he really knuckles down, does the hard work, does the graft. And, you know, I've heard people at the club say he's one of the first there, last to leave. And for me... I don't care if he's 17 or 27. If he's one of our best players in pre-season, he's in that first 11 come the opening day and he says shit to keep for the rest of the season. Fair one. We end it on a low note. Accrington away. That was diabolical that day. Um, I think, Bez, you were, you, were, you were the lucky one that day. Yeah, I didn't go. Yeah, you, were, you, were you away that day? I was away for Accrington and Lincoln. One of them, I was in Manchester for a mate's birthday. Where was I for the other one? I was a mate's birthday, but we stayed local. So Accrington, we stayed local. So I watched the full 90 minutes on telly. That was it. And yeah, it was just a real bad day at the office. Obviously, starts with Stevens throwing the ball in his net and ends with Funzo headbutting Mitch Hawk. So, um, yeah, what what wasn't a great day. So we won't, we won't dwell too much on that. But um, we... Ended the, the second half of the season, Mike, with mm. four wins, five draws and 14 defeats, which was 17 points. Mm. And off the second half of the season table, that would have put us 23rd, yeah. with only three screen below us. Um, 
we've we've kind of touched on it, but you couldn't have foreseen that that on the first of January, could you? Uh, no, absolutely not. I mean, I thought we were. I think it's fair to say we were probably over overachieving to be ninth or tenth in January, but I don't think anyone saw that coming in the second half of the season. And I suppose that's a, the challenge now for the club uh, going into next year because we've just come off, as you said, a relegation form over over three or four months, so we've got to turn that round. Um, I think had had we had this, the season happened in reverse, and obviously we played in the second half of the season like we did the first, people would generally be more optimistic for next season. But there's uh, no getting away from the fact that it is going to be a challenge now just to um, get out of that and, uh, and improve the squad. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. One one thing I like found really interesting was we lost half of the games last season, and then I think that's that's something we've we've got to work on. We've got to work on turning some of them defeats because some of them were close ones. Mm-hmm. We we both Bolton games, for example, home and away, like we were very close there, and. Like you, you look at them sort of games. If you if you've got that one two extra players, makes all the difference. And the end of the season then doesn't happen the way it did. Um, so I think looking back on it, it, it was a successful season. And I'll keep saying this: the aim at the start of the season, and we we all said it at the beginning, was survival. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to survive how we did, but We've achieved goal one. Um, putting you a bit on the spot here, Mike. Mm-hmm. Would your what would your goal be for next season? Oh, do you know? I was I was thinking about this today because I, I think Vale this se- this season just gone had I was told the fourteenth highest budget in the um, in the division, and I'm guessing it's depending on who comes up and who goes down, it'll be something around the same. So I, I would say if Vale finish. 14th if they finish you know somewhere between 12 and 16th that would be a decent season in my in my opinion if you have a bit of a cup run as well um then that would be okay but it'd be interesting to hear your your two views if that is how it pans out how would supporters regard that you know would that be would that be seen as okay would Andy, Andy Crosby be given the time uh to, to say yeah that's a decent season carry on next year you know would, would people generally be happy with that do you think my point of view next season is about avoiding a relegation battle. So okay. being comfortable by the start of April, we're not going into games thinking, God, we're getting scraped. And yeah, for me, 16th to 12th would be a good season next year. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. Yeah, and I think that's what I said to you, wasn't it? By by, by the 1st of April, I, I won't be able to throw the next Tommy McDermott in there the next plenty in there to see actually what they can do in in league games, which may actually mean something to the opposition as well. Um, and just us be relaxed. And obviously that might mean that instead of finishing 14th, we finish 16th because we, we've played a couple of young lads and tried, tried, tried a bit here and there. But don't think that means as much in our, in our terms monetary-wise as it does in, in the Premier League, say. So that that I think success would be yes, twelfth twelfth to sixteenth. How you do it sometimes defines it. I think people would have been happy with staying up this season. How we did it is what is what's probably 
worried the majority of people. Um, so, yeah, kind of, I remember Shrewsbury's run earlier this season. Didn't they win seven in a row and then lose seven on the bounce or something like that? You don't really want to be doing that either, do you? So, no. I think it's just, it's about progress now. Some big signings coming, um, hopefully. And then we, we see what sort of team that Andy Crosby builds. So, there we go. Going to get Bez in bed before 10 o'clock. He's just turning up. Yeah, he's turning everything off now. He's 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 been pretty kettle on when Mike was talking. Just he cares that much about saying Mike. I thought it was just because we mentioned Accrington away. Best disappears straight away. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't stand to relive it. I couldn't. I couldn't. But yeah, there we go. So some final thoughts on the 2022-23 season. Bez, go first. Mission accomplished, as you said, didn't do it the way we wanted to. First off, the season spectacular, and I will use the word spectacular, second off, the season dog shit. Uh, but at the end of the day, as you say, the aim was to stay up. We did it in the end by probably the skin of his teeth, and we did it down to others being worse than us, rather than us being good enough to stay up in that second off. And we played the second off like the first off. You said we were on 32 points halfway stage, did you? Yeah. So 64 points, where would that have put us? I don't think it's put us playoffs, but it would have been comfortable, wouldn't it? It would, have, it would have put us, 64 points would have put us 10th. 10th, yeah, which would have been way overachieving, wouldn't it, let's be honest. So in the end, job done, season's over. It's another season of League One football. Andy Crosby's black and white army. Yeah, and then Mike, your, your sign-off, um, not just for the 2022-23 uh, season, but... Port Vale for the time being, because when we draw Wolves in the third round next season, um, it'll be it'll be like coming back to to see the ex girlfriend that you. you know, <laughs> I'd uh, oh, I'd, I'd love that cup draw. That'd uh, that'd be absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, on on the season, just yeah, as, as Beth said, mission accomplished. Um, frustrations. I don't think uh, recruitment was as well. It was nowhere near as good as it had been the previous twelve months. So I hope that gets back to what it was two years ago uh, to give Andy Crosby a real chance. Uh, I'm pleased he's got the job. Um, and yeah, looking forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, just on a personal note, um, thanks. I've, I've loved listening to the podcast and I, carry, I will carry on, do thanks ever so much. And um, I know I said it in the newspaper, but uh, everybody's been absolutely brilliant to me uh, since I've been doing the Vale since 2000. I'm just re- really grateful to all the, the help and support I've had. And uh, I've loved every, every minute of it. So th- thank you ever so much. And yeah. I'll be, uh, as I said, I'll, when I come when I come back to Vale, I'll be able to watch, uh, relax, and watch the game now, rather than worry about uh, match ratings and stuff like that. I can, uh, I can, I can relax a bit. But yeah, just th- thanks ever so much. I've, as I said, loved every minute. Yeah, no. From a Vale fans' perspective, thank you for all the work you've put in for the last twenty three years. You know, you've turned up to supporters' club meetings on a Thursday night, so people that weren't there knew what was being discussed. Fans forums. It's not just match day you're there. It's the pre match, but. You don't see many journalists turning up to the supporters club and the fans forums and giving that coverage for fans who can't be there so they know what's going on. So from a Vale perspective, thank you for everything you've done in the last 23 years. Thanks, Buzz. Much appreciated. You better go off to bed. I know. I. <laughs> well, you've, got, you, you've got seven minutes rattle off the sponsor list to go. 
Uh, Johnny's Ball, get yourselves down there. I'll be working Friday night. No, I won't. Friday night. Are you going Friday night? No, I'm not. <laughs> Although I, I might put myself down for the shift save game paralysis escape room and shitting myself with Tom. But yeah, um, Saturday night, Sunday, I'll be down there. So get yourselves down. Johnny's Ball, St. John's Squares, Burslem. Home Shoes Carpet. If you need a carpet, give Amos a call. Tell him Bez sent you and he'll give you a big 0% discount. Andy PBFC's taxis, as we haven't got away games, but we discuss some. Get yourselves over there and boot your taxis. And last but by no means least, avtiming.com. And there's, as you've all seen from Vale, there's going to be a fun run from Vale, 5K on the in July. Get yourselves over and have a look. Mike, putting you on the spot, whether you'll be doing the fun run to say bye bye to Vale Park. <laughs> I, won't, I won't even try and make up an excuse. I'll just say, yeah, fun runs it off for me. Good luck with it, though. <laughs> Fair enough, but yeah, I think that's everyone, Johnny. It is. Um, we we got no ref watch, although we did discuss discuss yeah. refs. We we will be back um, over the next couple of weeks, just with a, with a couple of specials. Are We've, we going tease them? We going tease them? No, well, I'm going I'm going to announce the first one. Go on, um, and we'll tease them for the rest. So we've got current. Port Vale player Will Forrester lined up um, for the first one, and then we're, we're just in in contact with a couple of ex players and another current player as well, just to just to secure them. So our season doesn't end, but we're going to wrap it up quite early. So and and release them over the next couple of weeks while whilst there's minimal news coming. So thanks again for everyone. I hope um, Will th- Forrester goes bad as early as Smithy. <laughs> Oh well, we'll see. It's it's his he's off, so he hasn't got work the next day. So, sure. so who knows? But yeah, that's again. Thank you, Mike. Um, thank you, Bez, for staying up. I know that it's difficult in, in your age. It is when I'm obviously I'm helping out at Johnny's at the moment, so I'm doing seven day weeks. And I know for what? some people listening, they'll do it every week, but I don't. Oh, Middlesbrough just hit the ball in the ninety sixth minute. They're still one nil down. They have, and they were offside anyway. So I was offside can. anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that, blame blame your mother for that, mate. She's she's the one going out gallivanting. I know, tell me about it. So, Mrs B, stop having holidays. Look, look what you're doing to your son. Yeah, although my dad's texted me. He's been in a pub, obviously they're in Spain, watching the City-Madrid match, and apparently didn't go down too well when he cheered when City scored. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not the best thing to do, is it? <laughs> but, and there we go, we're done. Dusted. So, as as normal, everyone, thank you for listening. Have an ale and up the veil. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So, it's full time from the pod, and we've just lost again, and now it's time for a treat. What are you looking for, Bez? 
while I'm looking at who's cost us today, was it the ref, was it the players, but whoever it was, cheer yourselves up, get yourselves to McDonald's, get yourself a Big Mac tonight and enjoy it through the app. Johnny? Yeah, there we go. So order McDelivery on, on the app. It's at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more details. And don't forget, have an ale and up the veil. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.